welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and I run this channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, and the idea is it's like real talk, um, but I'm glad we didn't call it Real Talk with Reynolds, because... Um, yeah, that would have been a good name. No, what's my man's name? My body... I don't oh, know. What's his name? I Damn it. I have no idea what you're doing. Tracy yeah. Pinter, help me out. My body is telling me yes. What does that have to do with What the hell? That he Because he's always like, real talk. I can't remember his name. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, he had a scandal anyway. <laughs> that was a great intro. Yeah. For you. Wait, Everybody else. I'm imagining everyone else. Oh, gets R. Kelly? Now. R. Kelly, yeah. My body's Way telling me. Way to go, Tracy. So anyway, R. Kelly made real, well, he just made a lot of things weird. Anyway. Um, so I do this thing on Sunday nights uh, with all the gang here on the side, and we talk about education and try and help people out because Sunday is the most terrifying week of day of the week for educators. And so like anything that we can do to sort of help out, this is like the, the free session to be able to do that. So look, if this isn't enough or this isn't conducive to you, it's 5 p.m. every Eastern 5 p.m. every Sunday Eastern time, um, but it also gets turned into a podcast by our uh, by our friend Jake, and he turns that into a podcast, and then it's up there for you by the time that you're driving to work on Monday morning. It's also a classic episode that comes out every Friday of like interviews I've done in years past with uh, some of the greats in in the YouTube world and beyond, and that are attached to education. Also, I will. It's like prime season like like your school starting to think about pd for the year if i if you're interested in this uh i can come to your school i can also mentor you if you just go to my website real um and sign up for a mentorship thing there and there's a book coming out um it's coming out end of march beginning april something like that boy isn't always on point with my stuff i need to get done um Yes. Anything else? No, that's it. All right. Let's jump into questions. So wasted enough time. I would say, let's say, uh, Brooke is asking first time asking a question. Well, Brooke, I would like to honor your first time. I wish I had glitter on my hand, but, um, it's hard, right? There's tons of people that watch every week and don't ask a question I know. and that's fine. Um, but thanks for asking a question. Uh, what tips would you give parents for considering homeschooling? Brooke, let's talk about homeschooling real quick. Homeschooling to me, has literally been the best decision that we've ever made as parents, except for, well, no, right? Other like, than having them, the decision yeah, to have them. Decision to have kids was a good decision. <laughs> I'm 95% happy that we did that. Um, but then homeschooling has just alleviated an enormous amount of headache from ki depressed kids, just plain sad kids, kids that were anxious kids that like my son was stuck in a room that was probably i'd say 12 by 12 i'm gonna give him 15 by 15 on a good day all cinder blocks harsh fluorescent lights no smart board no technology no projector no posters on the walls it was just a bunch of desks in a circle five six kids in that first year yeah Teacher didn't know what dyslexia was, even though we struggle with dyslexia. Like, even though she's a special ed teacher, yeah, like all, all, and not to her fault. Like, she was like, I don't know why they keep doing this to me. They keep putting me in these little rooms and all the kids that need to know extra stuff and like, or need extra help. And like, I don't, they don't train me to do it. It was a nightmare. So, like, 
we decided to that we could probably do a better job, and this year has been the best. Um, can I? What do you have to say about that? Because uh, well, so I, I go to work every day. I was going to say, I feel like this is better suited for me. Um, I would say tips for parents considering homeschooling. I just think it's always a good decision. Homeschooling is, like you said, is has been life-changing for us in really positive ways of mental health. Um, and it just gives you the time and space to be able to really work on things that you see that are holes in the in different areas of your child's learning. So you're able to just be real specific on things, even things that don't, they don't do in a regular classroom or regular public school setting. So that's one. And then two, I would say, I think for the first year in homeschooling, I'm really learning that we're, we're kind of working our way out of what the public school education system is. Um, It's it's so different. So you can't even measure it the same. It's just so drastically different how you do things, how you talk, how the space and the time that you have to do all that stuff. I would say to give yourself a loose schedule, um, but be, be really forgiving with yourself as the parent, as you move through this, it's new for everybody. And that's probably my biggest advice for the first year is it's a big learning curve. It's really it. Like it's just a giant learning curve. But I think just one more thing, two things. One, for those of you that are new, my wife doesn't like being on camera. I'm not just like that much of a narcissist that I'm the only one. That's that's all you get. And then, um, just so you know. And then two, I like really like what we said at the beginning of the year. You you actually said this. Homeschooling this year was going to be about rekindling a love of learning yeah. to our children that's not connected to like tests and all this other yeah. stuff. It's just about like wanting to learn and like helping them navigate their own learning while you sort of like supplementing that or showing them where they would find information or make connecting puzzle pieces, helping them to do that. Like that was what this year was about. And it's been really awesome. So yeah, cool. Um, that was long answer. Sorry. You know, Oh, and I was answering a question. So I did not look kids deserve it. You know what I mean? The words of Adam welcome. You could be the one for kid. Oh, I'm going to go. Don't rabbit hole. Um, Helena is saying happy holidays, Reynolds and family. Thanks. Hi. Thank you. I don't know. That was, I made it all awkward and I didn't mean to. Uh, I'm a Navajo teacher. Oh man. Um, I just, even look, even if I just stop right there, I don't know what the rest of this is going to say, but you should have a YouTube channel because I think more people need to know what's going on in America. I and think that's a question. Oh, uh, well, Harold, I don't know. I am. Uh, I'm a Navajo teacher on the Navajo Res, I think that says, yep. who was seriously thinking about getting a channel up. Many suggestions on how to break nervousness and first time on YouTube. Yeah. So Helena, the only way that you're going to get better is just by doing it. So it's like, I heard somebody say this the other day, instead of ready, aim, fire, it's ready, fire, aim. So just start making stuff. Here's what you need to know is that everything you do in your life might seem normal to you because it's you, right? The rest of us in the world that have never been on a reservation or have never seen a school on a reservation have zero idea what that actually looks like from day to day. So I think if I was going to do a YouTube channel or if I gave you advice on, on what to do, one, it's just start recording yourself and talking. Don't worry about how good it is. There's no preparation that you can get to where you're going to look back at your first few videos and go, you know what? 
I did a pretty good job. Like everybody was wrong that I wasn't going to be. No, if you dig back down to ours, if you go to like our first videos, they're hilarious, really poorly done. Um, So just keep doing right. It's like if you were worried, let's. I always like to make this metaphor. If you were, if you really, really thought about the first time you kissed someone, and then you you would just never have kissed anyone because it would be super awkward and you'd be waiting like for your whole life. But it's like. Once you do it, kind of hopefully you get better. I don't know. Maybe I've seen some movies where people don't look like they got any better, but um, like it's just trying it and then just kind of reporting on your day. What happens? How do the kids get to your school? What kind of education do they get? What do they focus on? What is is there a different focus because they are on a reservation? How does your reservation, being Navajo, different from educational experiences or, or situations that students might have in other parts of the world or on other reservations? If you even know that are you navajo are you like a transplant there teaching like that's all kind of cool stuff that i would love to know and i think the beauty of youtube is like it is youtube has somewhat right been sort of homogenized in the teaching world right it's a lot of the same types of folks teaching the same types of things and and look that's not a diss to them it's it's kind of like there's a certain that's just where it's, it's starting. Kind of like, right? Yeah. And, and so grows I think the beauty of YouTube is seeing people all over the world in very, very different situations, teaching and meeting the needs of their students and working through difficulties like that is what I hope YouTube kind of becomes. So like, mm-hmm. yes, just start making videos. You can do it right on your iPhone. Someone even just said. Um, what are the art? What's art education like on a reservation? Chelsea Minor asked that. Yeah, I think all that stuff is like... Um, I think, let me say this, if I was to start a YouTube channel, because I really hate being on camera, like I hate it, and I feel nervous and anxious and all of that, if I were to do it, I think I would start making videos and just not post them, but go through the whole process and just not post them, just to get the familiar with the habit of recording and editing yourself and seeing yourself and all of that. So look, I like this idea so much and not like I need more work to do, but um, (laughs) if you make a video, you can send it to me. And uh, my girl Edie, well, she's my buddy. She helps me out. Um, she's like a virtual assistant, um, which makes me sound bougie, but it makes me sound bougie. Um, Edie will get it to me, and then I'll make. I can give you feedback on it. Uh, so if you want to do that, that's that's a thing too. Um, yeah, if you had a YouTube channel, I would make it a puppet channel because you don't really like to talk. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then well, we I like just it. have a puppet up here. Oh, that that talking would be. the whole time. <laughs> It would be awesome. And it would look like you. Can you make it? It will. We just need a puppet that looks like Winnie Cooper. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Chris is asking, what do you do to come back stronger after break in terms of lesson ideas, relationship building, et cetera? Chris, so let's talk about this. Could, because it's real rapid rounds, I'm, there's, we're not going to BS. Um, I've had a very difficult break. I get really, um, and I don't mind if my kids hear this, but they need the whole context. Um, but my daughter's watching Aristocats with headphones on right now. Um, I get really depressed around like Christmas because I, because this year it was the first Christmas without my father-in-law who usually is waiting outside of my house in his truck at five o'clock in the morning or knocking on the door. Even if my kids don't wake up till eight, it was my first Christmas second. Well, my grandmother died on Christmas Eve of last year. Both my parents are dead. No grandparents are alive. Like it's a real, it's a time of year where like, yeah, that's the first thing I brought up. Like it is, it's kind of like 
reminds you of what you don't have, even though I put an enormous amount of effort into remembering what I do have. It is this like, it can be this very dark time of year for me. Plus it's freaking gets dark out. It's miserable. It's like cold and raining tonight. Like I go run in this shit later. Um, it's just like that kind of stuff. Now, the funny part is, and I don't know how this happens, but like New Year's is one of my favorite times of the year because it is figuring out how you are going to make the most out of this next year. And so I do a lot of planning. I have a lot of lists. I'm sitting here writing stuff down today, like all the stuff that I did this year, all the stuff that worked, all the stuff that didn't, what are we going to do next year? How are we going to grow into this year? It's like, those all my, these are all my like lists of stuff that I was making all day, pages and pages of lists and drawings and stuff. Um, so I think it is thinking about this. Two things are what I'm thinking about. One, what would my class look like if it was the best for the remainder of the year? So what would I look like? What would my classroom physically look like? What would my students be doing if it was the best year ever? Um, those sorts of things. And then start trying to plan some of that out. Look, to be great only means moving the needle a little bit, right? So like um, Tim Ferriss wrote this book called uh, The 4-Hour Chef. And in the book, there's something about like, you can even just look up the beginning of it on Amazon. It's probably in the first beginning part. He said, there's only four things that most chefs need to do to become like in the top 10% of any person's house that you ever ate over or any meal that you've ever had. And it's like, taste your food as you go, use salt sparingly, use fresh roasted garlic. There's like four like little things that he says. And I've done research on this over the years. And it turns out that yes, like just moving the needle a little bit, like what if you're 1% better tomorrow with any given thing, what would that look like? 1%. That's it, dude. That's like, that's like doing a pull up instead of like thinking, I got to go to the gym, hit the weights. It's New Year's. It's like, now what if I just do like a pull up a day? Like that's it. So that's what I would do is like try and think of like what your year would actually look like if it was the best. And then how can you just move the needle a little bit? Want to have guests in your room? Get one. Want to have a really fun lesson or use music or make transitions easier? Think of one thing and just keep moving that needle a little bit more. And that's how that's how you want it to stop. What you got? Um, teach, I feel like that was too close to me. Teaching with hand, hey, hazy. I keep saying that wrong. Um, who's from Australia, Mike? Um, <laughs> that was good. I feel like I feel like that was. Strong. I feel like at, in Australia right now he's gone. That was pretty good. Mm. <laughs> or not uh i've been on holiday for two weeks now and it won't go back until the 23rd of january that's right because you guys got summer down there while we're freezing to death um i'm loving my holidays but also miss school and the routine do you ever feel the same also love her channel oh awesome you know her so uh he's talking about kafubal oh um i do i don't do well without routine in my life like so i in the summer, I have to have a routine of some sort. So like, I make sure like I don't sleep in very, so I don't, I don't sleep in, but I let myself sleep. Like when I wake up the first time I get up, like, but I don't like, set an alarm. I don't set an alarm. I sleep until my body says you have enough. And then as soon as I wake up in the morning and I can, I have like room darkening shades in my room. So it makes my room pitch black. 
if I can, if they're outlined in any light at all, I know that's time to get up and I just get out of bed. Like, I don't think about it. I don't lay there for another minute. I don't set it a snooze or anything like that. I just jump out of bed. Um, I come downstairs and I do the same thing every morning generally, which is like pray and meditate and exercise and all this stuff. Like it's the same thing every day. Um, which funny enough, it's always funny that in the book, so in our the book that I'm putting out uh, in March or April is that they wanted to know like my whole daily routine. Like, how do I like? Yeah, and it, well, that was one of the edits that came back. Was, was like, like well, I mentioned further into it. I mentioned like a little bit of my morning routine. They were like, no, you gotta like, you gotta write Spell this whole out. thing out. So now it went from being like a half a page, to like a ten page portion of the book or something like that. Um, the so yeah, I try to like make sure that I'm doing stuff. And um, I did, here's my one of my new experiments for the beginning of the, for this year is James Altucher, who has a web or a podcast called the James Altucher Show, says that the beginning part of his day, so from like whenever he starts working till about noon, is all creative work, right? He doesn't do any business emails. He doesn't do anything like logistics. Wise, it is a time for writing, for creating, for thinking, for coming up with ideas. And the afternoon is like emails, business stuff, like that kind of thing. And so I've been thinking about that and how that's such a fun way to launch yourself into the to the rest of the day. So that's that's what I'm thinking about in terms of this year too. But um, yeah, but I love schedules. Like I just they just make me a better person. Julie is asking. Do you mentor people in the UK? I sure do. Uh, I mentored someone in Australia once and she was fantastic. And I think, I forget where else. Has anyone else been on the country? I don't know. Yeah, so just go onto the website and. Um, no, Acuity's not working on our website oh, right okay. now. It'll be working You tomorrow. can email me email. <laughs> and we can, we can figure something out. You, if you email me, uh, I will work with your schedule and make sure that I can fit something in. So, like, you tell me what is what works for you and we will make something work. Uh, how do Donna is asking just sometimes I just love people's stuff mm -hmm. uh, their pictures and, and their names um, last year you had a loss of life of a student we just found out one of our teachers was murdered three days ago other than giving students space to talk any suggestions um, gosh that is so the thing with and like and sorry for the downer nope that's why it's called real rap with Reynolds and not sunshine rainbows with Reynolds. Um, I think when someone's look, and this is like, I'm not a therapist. I don't play one on the internet. I don't like, I only know from my own experience, right? The, the trouble with someone getting murdered aside from the, like, as if there's one thing, right? I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is if a teacher was sick, if a student was sick and there was this sort of progression and then they passed away, I feel like there's a process that goes along with that. Having someone murdered is like they were here and then they're not. And it wasn't a heart attack. It wasn't something that was like an accident. It was like this violent thing. I think that in my like experience has added layers of confusion and anger to students, like violent anger to students that you don't normally see when otherwise right because it wasn't like they're in a better place now it was like it's sudden yeah. any sudden whether so it's a when, heart attack or not when Saeed, was hard. yeah but that but that was it was i'm not i'm not dismissing that. i'm know. saying they're different in some way where like yeah. i remember when students came back in so here's one of the things 
when my students came back in this time and they, and Saeed had been, so my student was murdered along with his six-year-old brother and his parents. Um, and by fam, allegedly by family member. So I don't know if I have to say that or not, but like, cause I don't think the trial's done, but like, I remember one of my students sitting next to me and he was crying and he goes, I just don't understand Mr. Reynolds. And I thought this time, like, like gang violence, kids getting caught up in the streets like that doesn't make sense but it's like that there's certain things that happen in that when you're wrapped up in that life when someone in this in Saeed's case it was like I I just remember like holding my student and telling him like this one doesn't make sense like we don't like that is the wrong question to ask because there's no answer to it and it's only going to lead you to more heartbreak and frustration it's like you know I, I think if I was dealing with that, I don't know that there's more than, than listening and giving kids space to talk, but here's, here's the kicker that this is the part that no one likes to talk about. It takes longer than we are comfortable with to deal with this. It never really ends. And so when I know when my mom died, when I was 20, I just turned 22 I remember thinking like, I wish I could just fall asleep and wake up in 10 years and this hurt would be gone. And I'd gladly give a decade up of my life to not have to feel this, this pain. And then I remember the 10 year anniversary. I was like, damn, like that, that was about the amount of time that it took. And so if you're thinking about students, if you're thinking about other teachers, it is, I would make the priority you, how are you filling yourself up, finding peace, giving yourself space, so that you can show up the best version of yourself. That's the best thing that you can do for anyone because most people are just gonna wear themselves out and then crumble. And how do we show up? This is always my, whenever I get one of these calls, right? It's like every year I get one of these calls, some some poor student has, has been lost to the streets or, or otherwise. Um, how do we show up on Monday for the kids? The best way to do that is by spending time with my family, exercising, praying, meditating, writing, getting getting my anger and frustration out about it so that I can show up the best way for the kids. And so that's what I would say to do. Um, if there's anything I can do for that, I'm not really sure, you know, besides that advice, like what I could do. But if you um, would like help with that, just email me and I'll try and help you out like as, as much as I can, just because I know that, that that's not everyone's case and, and it's a special situation. And so like, just please let me know. And I'm, I'm sorry that that happened with y'all. Um, and so this is always the weird transition into the next question, but like, I'm going to just bookend that, um, because it's, it's a hard thing to transfer out of, uh, Chris Chong is asking, what do you usually do for self-care? Okay. That's actually a pretty good transition question. I, gosh, man, when I, so it depends, um, lately. So in my funk of, of Christmas, it is putting no expectations on myself. And so this is a conversation my wife and I have been having. It's like, uh, I've been watching a lot of movies. I spend time with my, my kids are like, my kids are like ooze good vibes. Like even the just, but even when they were little, I would, if I had a hard day and they were already in bed when they were babies, I would just go sit in their room because it just made me feel better. It was like being near them, like that presence made me feel better. For me, um, being a part of a church on Sundays is really big deal. It is, it is praying and meditating all the stuff I always talk about, like in the morning, it is exercising, even though it is the thing I don't want to do the most, 
the way I do that, I get myself pissed off about having to exercise. I get mad that I have to run outside in the rain. And then through that aggravation, I am, it like pushes me out there. And then I finish and I go, all right, did it. Like, it's like, it doesn't even have to be real angry. It's just like, get yourself pissed off about it a little bit and then go do it. And then that changes you, your physiology and, and it helps. Um, I, you know, uh, something that made me feel good. We watched this week was uh, the new Kevin Hart, uh, oh, yeah. like documentary series that's on Netflix. Um, Netflix or watching shows that are funny. I think Marvel's Mrs. Maisel is like one of the best shows that's come out. And that just always makes me feel better if I can laugh. Um, and for me, it's really hanging out with friends, hanging out with people that like that breathe life into me is really good all the time. And watching stand up comics. You like those. I do like, or I've really been liking hot ones. It's this, uh, yeah. this, YouTube channel called Hot Ones, or it's the series is called Hot Ones, and it's like people that eat hot wings, and it it's all celebrities that eat super, super, super hot. It's so wings funny, and it's it kills really me. funny. Yeah. Um, if you have watched my channel for five seconds, you know I'm having a hard time with this name. <laughs> Just read the question. Constanza, Constanza, Andrea Rios, Zarita. I think I actually did fairly decent George with that one. No. Uh, hi, I'm from Chile. Awesome. Or Chile. But I'm from New Jersey, so we just say Chile. Um, in my last, I'm in my last year of university. I'm going to be an English teacher. Can you recommend me books or articles that you think will help me better prepare for my first year of teaching? Yes. So my list is, is not normal. My top so I think I, find, I read business books and I find that business books help me more than, than regular stuff. I would say teacher wise, teacher books, the only two teacher books I would recommend are Rafe, anything by Rafe Esquith. Uh, it's R-A-F-E Esquith. And so if you go to any of my YouTube videos underneath, there's like an Amazon list and you can list to my Amazon list of all the crap that I think is, I don't know, that I've mentioned in videos and all of his books are in there. The other teacher book, and not just because this dude published me, Teach Like a Pirate is the best teaching book I've read in the last, besides Ray Fiskwith, in all of my teaching days. It is so practical. It gives you immediate things that you can go into your classroom tomorrow with or start the year off with. And it is, I love it. Um, and so, and it's really funny because my book is, some of my ideas are so similar to Dave Burgess's ideas in Teach Like a Pirate that... I'll literally highlight them and I come home and I'm like, dude, we laugh about that. We laugh because it's like he's saying the same <laughs> thing that I do. And I never read his book. I knew nothing about him. You can't really find much about him on YouTube or anything like that. So that's my other book. I think Tattoos on the Heart by Father Gregory Boyle is another must have for teachers. And then I would say something like The Purple Cow from Seth Godin is a really good one. Purple Cow is like a book about marketing but I think it could easily translate into like coming up with lessons and being the purple cow in your school. So the purple cow is the cow that doesn't look like all the rest. Um, or you could just listen to a whole bunch of like uh, interviews with Seth Godin. Like if you go listen to his interview with Tim Ferriss, it's a really wonderful one. And that will help you to be a better teacher as well. Uh, teaching with Hazy is also asking also, do you have any tips for growing a teacher YouTube channel? Yep. Just keep it is. I look, my channel is not the biggest and it's not, um, I don't have like the most subscribers or anything like that, but here, here's the thing. And I, I'm not challenging anyone else. I don't really know. The thing that I love 
is that the numbers don't matter. It is making connections with people and meeting a need. I think that is how you grow anything. And I can't really tell you that right now. All I know is that in five, 10 years, when my trajectory for like, I have an idea, right? This is not all for nothing. Like I'm trying to build something here. And so if this idea that I have works, I will be able to say that every single thing that I did was like, I'll be able to say like that I was right. This is the right way. I think it's through connections. I think it's just like teaching. How do you build a great class? By listening to your students, teaching through a lens that they care about and making what you're talking about meaningful and making it about the kids. That's it. Building a YouTube channel is listening to your audience, making content that actually matters to them through, through the lens of something they actually care about and then making it all about them. That's what it is. It can't be all about the educator. And so that's, that's what I think it is. Um, and that's what I try to do with, with my YouTube channel. So that, that's what I would say. Did you have another one or just skip? Got it. Cool. Uh, Faith. Faith Randolph. I love that name, Faith. Um, congratulations to your parents, unless you named yourself, and then congratulations to you. I'm currently studying to be a high school English teacher. Any advice or tips? So, yes, first of all, fantastic idea. Second of all, I would say a couple of things. One, English teachers are a dime a dozen. So are history teachers. There are not a lot of jobs out there for either one of us, unless you're willing to teach in some really tough spaces sometimes. So connections are key. It's all about who you know. So is there a way? Um, and this is like a two, this is like two birds with one stone. Um, is there a way you can get connected with people in schools that you might want to teach? Right? One. Two, the best way to become a better teacher is to buy start. Start teaching now. You don't get enough of that experience when you're in college. So maybe start thinking about like what schools would I want to teach at? Like where where do I see myself fitting in? Like is like maybe you have a sense of what that is already. And if you do, then can you start working at after school programs, volunteering your time there, being a part of something, anything that's in some of those schools, so that you can uh, build that build those connections in the school and also start getting experience at the same time. Those are the two bits of advice that I would give that are really, I think going to help you the most. Um, and then I would, I think showing up to things like this, whether it's my channel or someone else's is going to keep you in that conversation, get you seeing like what people are talking about. And then if you go to our Facebook group, also uh, real rap with Reynolds teacher talk on Facebook, you can leave questions in there. You can read through all the, the threads and see what all the people are up to on there and stuff. Um, and so that's what I would work on. That's what I would get connected in now. Uh, Cause then you're going to have those folks kind of in your back pocket uh, to ask questions to, and already have some of those connections that you've built online with people so that when you have a hard day or you have a question or you have a kid that needs something, and you're not sure how to meet that need. You have people to go to, and that's what it's all about. Uh, and also, Congratulations and good luck. It's going to be awesome. Emery, Emery, yes. Emery B is asking, do you have any tips to convey an assertive demeanor as a teacher? I Look, for as goofy as I am, right? Like my Christmas presents for my wife included a boxing glove that extends from a stick that you can use to punch kids. Punch kids with. <laughs> um, and you have to know the right kids punch. Like Muppet is a fair shot. DJ Dirty Kev hugs like. You got you to gotta know your audience, right? Don't just go around <laughs> bopping kids with a boxing glove. Um, and a table tennis thing that like just clamps on the end of any table. So we're going to put on one of the stand-up desks. Right now we use painter's tape. 
And that just looks sad and meaningless. Paddles, mini We've got the whole game. It's all. It's like it's 100% all when you go back to school. So even though I'm doing all this weird, fun stuff all the time, you have to have a level of seriousness. And I think that comes from consistency. I think that comes from building relationships with students so they know what you're about and they know that what you're saying. So what you're saying carries weight and that takes time. And I think never, ever, ever under any circumstances backing down. Once you show weakness, you can get it back. Like you can get your strength back and get your whatever it is that you lost back. It's not like Harry Wong says like, that's one of the things I think Harry Wong does wrong is he says like, if you lose that first week of school, if you don't set the standard, then you're screwed. And I just don't think that's true. I think you can mess pretty much anything up in your life, like, and come back from it. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in redemption because I think it's actually practical and it actually exists. So try to be assertive. Like if you say, I will not talk while you're talking, then you cannot do it under any circumstances, right? But be mindful. Is what you're saying worth it? Is, are you making kids listen for too long? Like there's other practical implications as to like, but when teachers say, I'm not going to talk over you, but then they want to lecture for 30 minutes to a bunch of special education students or kids that have ADHD or kids that are too young and don't have the capacity to sit there for 30, 20, 15 minutes at a time, um, then maybe figure something out there, like reevaluate that situation. But if you're asking for, when I go, yo, I need your attention for 20 seconds in three, two, one, all right, 20 seconds on the clock, and then I run it down. Anybody can play attention for 20 seconds. You know why? Because everybody can hold their breath for 20 seconds. So hold your breath, everybody, for 20 seconds, and kids start passing out. I know I went a little bit too long. So that's what I would do. Don't really make your kids pass out. That's a bad idea. But uh, I think don't never backing down from a student. Don't have a don't have a power struggle, right? But like uh it is about finding, like sticking to what you say. And then that builds consistency and then kids are going to know. That's why kids go from loving me in the beginning of the year. I'm everyone's favorite teacher on the first day of school. Then everyone hates me about one to two weeks in because they realize I wasn't going to take uh, makeup work. They all the way up until break and then they usually come back loving you. They really do because then they find out that I'm- grades are due and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm consistent and I don't, I, when, I, when I say there's no makeup work, when I say I don't take late work, when I say I wasn't playing that that thing was due on this date and- I don't like, I like, because you have kids that go, how can I, you tell them I have a kid when they go, bro, this is literally what they say, bro, how can you give me a zero for that? I was asleep. Of course I didn't do it. <laughs> is that, you, you, you really say that? That's, that's a real thing, huh? Like you really think that way. Or, um, I was suspended. Like, don't I get extra time? No, nah, bro. You got suspended for fighting. Like, and you have email. Like, let's communicate through that. Like, you didn't just get two days off to play video games. So, but when I tell them, when I can stop and say, can we have a conversation about this? Let me re-explain why I do what I do. That changes everything because my words now have weight because I'm consistent and I've built relationships with students. And so I win, and that's how I do that. Um same oh yeah same, same person uh emery is asking as a teacher i feel like i'm spending too much time grading are there any tips to be more efficient yep so one get students to grade your stuff for you two 
if you have multiple choice anything, get an online app like Zipgrade. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ones out there, and you just scan your papers. And three, don't grade everything. Or like know what you're grading for. So like even if I grade an essay, I know there's like five things I'm looking for on there, right? I don't grade every single thing on there. I'm looking for five main things that we're working through this time. And then that helps. Rubrics really help. So you can just like circle point values and circle like in the rubric what they missed. And so that helps and it gives kids a visual to go along with what they are looking at. And remember, you don't have to grade everything. Every once in a while, chuck something. It's not a big deal. Like the kids still learned or didn't learn, but like it is not worth your time. It's better to go in feeling free than bogged down by tons of stuff. So like be mindful that not every single thing needs to be graded. Sometimes grading for completion, grading whether or not you actually did it is like good enough um, and kids are still learning. So don't don't like turn everything into grades. Uh, Emily Hewlett is, is wait. Hewlett. Oh, I'm thinking we know someone. Named I Emily know, Hewlett, it looks very close to their name. <laughs> uh, Google Forms marks quizzes. Oh, look at that. I got to go look that up. You know, that was, look, Google sees, they're like, oh, they have a good idea. Stolen. Like, I we can know, make right? it better. We have the resources. R.N. Robinson is asking, it's my first year and my students drive me crazy. Seventh grade. My, my hair used to be brown. I'm just saying. I, I feel you. My classroom management is horrible. They don't listen and they don't do their work. How can I turn things around? Um, so, R.N. Robinson, I would say, look, some of this, I'm shooting in the dark here, right? Because they don't really know what your classroom looks like. I think when I have classes that act like that, gosh, there's a million answers here, right? It really, it really depends on like on what's going on in there. But here's my here's my couple of quick fire things on classroom management. One, have up on the board exactly what they're supposed to do when they come in. I have a video on this. Um, in the first five, 10 minutes of class, everything is on my Promethean board or written on my whiteboard when I didn't have a Promethean board. And they know exactly what is due. My pre-class is timed, meaning there's a timer on the board or I'm keeping time in my hand. I tell Siri to start timer for five minutes. Making sure Siri didn't start timer for five minutes. Um, then at the end of that five minute period, we transition into something else. So if you're not on point, like the train already left the station, bro. If you're late to class, if you didn't, if you were screwing around, like, that we're moving on. It's still something you can get done on your own time. I'm just saying that the time that we have to do this in class is over. So you now have to make that up on your own time. And that seems reasonable to me. If there's some kids that are like lagging or if it's going really well and everyone's really writing or doing what they're supposed to be doing, you see the class needs a little bit of extra time, give it to them. But by and large, five minutes, we're out. We transition into the next thing. And that thing is already on their desk because it says on the board what the pre-class is. Have your journal out, have this thing out, have this thing out on your desk. So now we're jumping right into the next thing. So someone that doesn't have their stuff out, they're learning. I need to get actually pre-class. I need to get things done before class. And again, there's room for like a little bit of movement in this, but that's largely what I do. And then everything is kept in my classes to five or 10 minute chunks, sometimes 15 or 20, depending on what we're doing. And I try to make them as engaging as possible, right? So I think when you go back to school and your class is going to depend, if the classroom management's awful, maybe get it dialed in with some of those things first and then switch to this. But I think school is boring. And I think the more we can make school less boring, the more engagement we get from students. But when we do that, 
I have some classes that don't want to do it. They don't want to do the cool thing. They don't want to go like, so I have ideas for Lord of the Flies that I wrote down just the other day that were like, what if most of my students have never sat around a campfire? Is it legal for me to start a fire on the side of the building, a controlled fire, of course, and like make s'mores or something like that. So I get the sense of what it sits, feels like to sit around the fire. What would it feel like to build a fort, right? So if we took a half a period or a period and we went outside with sticks and twine and like try to fashion a fort so that when they're talking about making forts and my guys are dogging them in class not being able to do this, could they do it? Could we start a fire with a magnifying class? glass? Yes. Um, when I'm talking about the Globe Theater, which is the first set of notes I'm going to do when I go back, can we actually go to the school stage and talk about this is what Shakespeare stage could have would have looked like in the Globe Theater. And can I set this up so that they get some sense of like what it might've felt like to be on stage in front of people with all the lights on because there wasn't special lighting because it was during the day. Could we, where's the best place to say the, to, to deliver these notes, to deliver this lesson, to build engagement in the school. So how are we moving around and doing things a little bit differently so that it creates more engagement? So I just think thinking about stuff like that is gonna help. And also, I'm going to say two things. One, the kids that are the worst in your class. Is there a way that you can take time to build relationships with them, even though they drive you frigging crazy? Can you have cereal with them one day? Can you eat lunch with them one day? Can you hold them after class and just talk to them about what's going on in their life and ask them questions about themselves? That's going to build a relationship, right? And how many kids in your class are actually doing well? or would do well if you focused on them. We have a tendency as human beings, I know it, I can get hundreds, literally hundreds of kind messages on every YouTube video that I have. Then there's always one person that has to have some evil message that's like, you're not a good teacher at all. You actually kind of suck. I think you're racist. And they are whatever else that kind of madness that they say, right? That is the one thing that I'm like, oh, it's like the arrow in my heart. I could have had it's it's the one thing out of hundreds of kind things it's like the one sour comment that i get hurts me we have a tendency to do that in our classrooms as well i think we look at the two three four five kids that are being a nightmare and we forget about the 20 kids that are like would actually go with you on any kind of thing so how can you kind of start identifying those students and teaching to them more and helping them more and not just focusing on like the four kids that are being the biggest discipline issue in class. That's my quick answer. That wasn't so quick, but it was kind of quick. But yes. Okay. Bailey is asking, how do you get over feeling extreme guilt over not working more during break? Um, Bailey, I'm giving you permission to do no things over break. Like don't work more. Because look, here's the thing. By working, the way you get stronger in anything right so if you're working out and you want to get you want to get gunned up right so one of my ideas i have this new idea and i'm going to make a video about it but i'll let you know here i ran for 365 days in a row now i'm in like day 380 something but that's going to end i think on the day 400 i'm going to stop my streak i'm still going to run but i'm just not going to run every day my new thing that i'm going to do every single day is this doesn't really work into what I'm doing, but I'll tell you anyway, it's called 10, 10, 10, I'm calling it, which is 10 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups every day. That's it. If I want to do 11 push-ups or like, I, li I literally, I'm so weak. I can't do one. I can do one pull-up, one and a half, I think. Um, but 
I don't like that. Like I used to be able to do like many, I won't give you a number, but many more pull-ups than that. <laughs> many, many, many. So um, the, the reason I'm setting the bar so low is because then it's actually achievable. But when you work out in general, like if you're gunning it at the, at the gym, like Jake, the podcast guy, uh, then you need days with breaks in there. Otherwise your body doesn't recover, right? So you need to be mindful of that. So when you are on break, that's why I don't give kids work over break. Cause I want you to be on break, go download Disney plus and watch all the Mandalorian episodes and then watch all the, the, the doctor strain into all the Marvel movies. But I think the other thing you can be doing is what is this? What do you want in your life? How am I going to be a better person? Not just a better teacher, a better person this year. Keep creating a vision. Yes. For this year. And then having uh, a sense of what you're what you're going for in your own life, like mental, physical, spiritual, like what kind of goals you want to hit. Zig Ziglar said, "Without if you if you don't have a goal, you'll hit it every time." Right? Is that what he said? Yeah. Um, something along those lines. If you don't have a goal, you will hit it every time. Right? So, like the idea is, if you don't plan, you're just gonna you're just wandering. Like if you don't have a, if you don't have a yeah. Well, I just think if teachers like you, you don't even need to have a huge analogy. If you don't plan for your day, it doesn't go well as a teacher, yeah. right? Even for homeschool, if I have nothing planned and I try and like wing it, man, it sucks. No. So what, oh, have, I, what have I been doing on my phone instead of going on social media? Can you share that with everyone? Oh, uh, you've been on Pinterest. I go on Pinterest. I am He's been pinning one away. of the only dudes I know that has Pinterest Wait, are you pinning on uh, Real Rap with Reynolds? No, or? I print on my private one. Oh. Yeah, I do have Real Rap with Reynolds Pinterest also, but like. Um, it is just creating, I, I have a folder called ideas and I just like put all of my ideas in there of all the fun stuff that I'm thinking about to try and get me thinking about well, what do I want for my life this year? Like, like I'm only going to be 43 once. How do I maximize my year this year? So I come up with all these crazy ideas of stuff that I want to do. And then I just start really planning them out. And so instead of working, I'm thinking about like, I want to drive cross country this summer because 21 years ago this summer, I drove cross country by myself uh, in my dilapidated van. And so my daughter and I are thinking about doing that this summer and like buying like an old Volkswagen bus because we're dirty hippies. We're, and like, we're renting one. We're going to rent something. Buy bus. And then <laughs> drive across the country. And then like, what would that look like? And where would we stop? And like that stuff makes you excited about school. Cause then you, I think creativity is a muscle. When you start like exercising that muscle, it starts popping up in all different places in your life. Joy is a muscle. And so when you live in joy and you're, mus you're using that muscle all the time, it starts popping up in other places in your life. And so I just think that that's a good way to use your break as a break, but a break to get excited about a whole lot of other stuff. And then that's going to bleed over into your school year, which is a weird metaphor to say, but next question. Um, Mr. McGarver Music. I'm pretending his last name's Music. Is that, wouldn't that be awesome? It would be awesome. Mr. Music. <laughs> Come here, please. Do -do -do -do. Oh, no, that was so dumb. Anyway, hi, I recently started. Oh, what God. happens in that brain of yours? I just want to see the visuals. I don't know. It's like my brain's drunk, even though I haven't had a drink. Oh, um, I recently started private tuition and have a very uninterested pupil, tuition, tutoring, maybe, um, very uninterested pupil who has clearly been forced into it. 
really demotivates me as I want the best for him. How do I improve this? So, um, Mr. McGarvey, are you, are you teaching music? What are you teaching? Cause I think that would help too. Um, I heard one time, so I know I've had two different drum instructors in my life. One was my uncle who was awesome. And I learned how to play drums from him. I probably was in eighth grade is when I started. Um, I was also in the band when I was, since I was in fourth grade and I had a jazz instructor, my uncle was the best. And this is why in, in when I was in band, it was all about like holding your sticks perfectly and your movement and doing rudiments and learning paradiddles and flams and all that stuff. Yeah. And like, and yeah, it just, it just, it was like, Hey, here's a really fun thing. Let's make it suck. (laughs) <laughs> but I did it anyway, because I don't know, because I think I got out of class or something like that. And then my jazz instructor sucked also because it was the same shit. My uncle, on the first day, he he taught me how to keep time, basic time, and said, like, if you practice, you can play this simple beat, like, do that, do that, to any song, to or a whole bunch of songs. And then I p- learned how to play the song Honky Tonk Woman by uh, <laughs> the Rolling Stones, because it's a very simple beat. But then I must have played that song a thousand times in my life. No shit. I just played it over and over and over and over again. And that made me want to play drums. The two other instructors never made me want to play drums in my off time. Then that's when I started banging on everything. I would bang on ladders and tabletops and with spoons. And I still drum all the time everywhere. It drives people crazy because I'm not even thinking about it. It is like finding something that actually makes this fun from the jump. And then it made me want to go back because doing that made me want to learn paradiddles and flams and all the little intricacies of what it was to learn. But I, they, he made it fun first um, or learning like a song like on drums, like Back in Black by ECDC is like so simple. But like you're playing that beat um, along with the music just makes you feel like a badass right away. So what can you do to make that kid feel like a badass right away? and then? pull all the other crap into it because then that stuff actually becomes useful, right? Finesse becomes useful, tone, volume, um, all that stuff becomes important later, but you got to hook them in first with whatever you're doing. And so Bobby McFerrin actually talked about this. He's the guy that made the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. He's also one of the most fascinating human beings ever. He said, if he had to teach a kid to play piano, he would just show them fun little things on there to just like, how can we like kind of play drums on these keys or how can we just do this little thing? And like, you're playing, just play this little simple thing. And then I'm going to play this over top of it. And look, we're like, you're like playing music right now with even with these little rudimentary things. And I think that that is the way you hook kids in is by showing, showing them once you see something badass, watch this. And that that would be the same if you were learning magic, if you're learning woodworking, if you're learning reading, if you're anything, right? I think that's your MO. It's like everything for you is fun. Like CJ loves to turn everything into fun. I do. And that, but no matter what you're But that, I think that's in my DNA though. And so what I want to do is like show folks that like they are capable of that too, even if they don't know that they are. So how can you take, this little thing i'm not trying to discount what you just said by the no, way but like how can you take this one little thing and like make it bad like how can the next lesson you teach for the first five minutes be badass and then go all right let's break that down let me break this down what this is for you so yeah 
Uh, you kind of already answered that. I don't know if you want to. Uh, I can try real quick. Jaeger is asking, um, how do you not get drowned in grading? I feel like I'm always having grading to do every weekend in the breaks. So I would say that one, I made a video about this. So if you go onto my YouTube channel, you can search people's YouTube channels by going to the top. There's like a little magnifying glass and it'll just search my channel, putting grading and it'll give you like my five tips for grading or something like that. Um, but I, I really think it comes down to minimizing what you're grading for and remembering that you don't have to grade everything, right? So I just answered this question, which is why I'm giving you the short answer, but it's um, how do you, like don't grade everything or don't grade everything on every paper. Like sometimes I grade out of four points for a particular assignment, like, and one, four means you did everything. Three means you did a pretty good job. Like it's worth like a passing grade, but it wasn't awesome. Um, two is you did about half the assignment and one is you barely did anything, but it shows that like a zero is you didn't do anything. So if you did one question, I give you a one and that just shows that you didn't do it. So I, I just think it's like making simple decisions like that. Um, kids are still learning. You're still going over the content. I'm still checking for understanding all that stuff, but I just don't think that grades are the be all end all in students learning. Um, it's feedback. It's constant feedback and pushing back and pushing them. That's actually helping them to learn. It's not just the grades all the time. So that's a, that's what I remember. Oh, there, there's easy to find because there's multiple. Like she goes down here, or he or she. So they all go together. It's like a little bit. Oh, oh okay, okay. So I'm never going to get your name right. I apologize in advance. Um, Hekios Hekios eight 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 is saying any tips for a student who can't behave. They just can't self-regulate. I've tried reasoning, detention, putting them in the hall, sending them to admin, calling home. Nothing changes the behavior. I've It's ninth grade students. Hold on, there's, this is a multi. Wait, was that it? Oh, no. It's incredibly disruptive. You can feel the other student's frustration. He doesn't have an identification, and the counselors have been resistant. He isn't rude, but he can't stop himself speaking out. I've been teaching for 14 years and I've never had a student like this. Uh, that was it. Thanks. Okay. Um, every once in a while, I get a student that is like that. And sometimes I win and sometimes I don't, right? So like last year, I will say I had a student like that. Um, and I really just had the worst time because it was like he, they were in a class that I did not have the time to allocate to them that would have helped in any particular situation. And it literally took like three quarters of the year to figure out what was the best case scenario for this kid. So one was very thing, everything had to be very structured. Everything was, you need to know exactly what you need to do when you come in and exactly where you need to be and when you need to be there by and what is acceptable and what's not, right? They, that was like, it had to be black and white on that end of it. Then it was about learning, trying and failing a bunch of different things to figure out what helps you learn. So you can't pick your own groups. These are the people that you're going to work with if you're going to work with someone. You also have the opportunity to work by yourself. Um, Hands-on was the best. So one day, gave this kid Legos, and we were building a project in class. And my man, like, zone, like we didn't hear him for three days. It was the weirdest thing because I don't know why I'm whispering right now, probably for dramatic effect. Um, but he didn't say anything unless he needed something. Like he couldn't find a particular part or he needed a certain size Lego. And so – but he just sat there at his desk and like meticulously worked on this. And we we're like, dude, we need to have way more projects in class or at least an op an option for this child to create something because that is where it honed in. 
but like games and getting out of the classroom and doing activities out of your seat were a nightmare, but creating something was his jam. So it's about figuring out what that kid does, what works. And then I think sitting them down in a not angry way and saying, bro, look, I'm going to be honest with you, you're a little bit different than most of the kids I teach every day. And I think it's wonderful because I think being weird is the best. But and you know, maybe I use weird. I use weird because I can get away with that. But I don't suggest everybody use weird. Uh, what do we need to do to help you find success? Because what I'm imagining is that that kid's not only a problem in your class. They're probably a problem in everyone's class. But what you're going to do that's going to be different than probably most of the teachers is say, how do we figure out a way for you to rule so that when you are, if when your mom does, and so like, if I think of another kid that I had, it was like, you get in trouble in every single class. You're always in trouble in the hallway. You're always out of uniform. You're always late to class. Your mom gets multiple phone calls every single day. She's going to start losing her hair soon. You're going to make your mom go bald because you're driving her crazy with all these phone calls. How do we help you to be successful in class? Like, What, what can I do if you could do anything? You still have to come. You still have to learn, how do we make it better for you? And that was a way better conversation because that kid, he didn't even know how to answer that, right? Because no one had actually asked him before. The follow-up to that is, if, especially if they have a hard time with that, is what teachers have been the best in your school career, right? So like what's made someone wonderful and why? What's made someone the worst and why? And I don't need to know names. I just need to know tactics, tips, and tricks. I'm looking for commonalities that both work and don't work with you. The other thing is call home, but not, not to complain. I call home and say, what do, I, what do you wish as the teacher I knew about your child? Like what works for them? What doesn't work for them? What, what ways of disciplining work at home and what doesn't work at home? What's worked in school and what hasn't worked in school? My guess is most teachers or most parents have never been asked that question before. And so just that, like, as a parent would warm my heart so much towards that teacher that I would want to do anything to help them out because it's like, damn, you're just, you're asking me? Like, because the parent knows more than you do. Like, we think we know more about kids than, they're, than the parents do. And sometimes we do, but largely we don't. That They've had that child for all these years. They've had that kid since you started teaching. They've had that child. And so what would, what insight can they give you? And then that starts the ball rolling of showing this kid, like, yo, you see, I'm working, see, we're working on something. I'm caring about you, but I can only let you get away with so much. Otherwise you're out. Right. Or we have to take other, some other measure. The other, the only other two things I'm thinking about is, can you sit with your ninth grade team of all the teachers that teach that child and come up with a plan for him? Right. That's unofficial. Right. So if they don't have like an IEP or a 504 or something like that, what unofficial plan can you come up with? Um, and two, is there any teacher in the school that's having success with that child and why or how are they having success? And then have like, admit like, yo, I'm not having a good go with the student. I'm admitting that and I need help. What are you doing that I can implement in my class that will help that student? And you might get some good feedback for that too. So that, that's what I would do for that. Um, Calypso Lily is saying, question about destruction of property. Oh, dude, have I been dealing with that this year? I have students who eat erasers off pencils, doodling on desks and books. Any tips? Uh, I would say, um, gosh, I would say eating erasers on pencils is disgusting. 
and just remind kids. But, you know, one time a dog ate a Lego minifig and he pooped it out and it still had the sword in its hand. And that was pretty impressive. So maybe talk about how that's disgusting and bad for your body. Yes. The other thing is um, I've started thinking about, look, kids draw on my desks a lot this year. And this is a new thing. Or they draw on my wall. They'll just sit there and draw on my wall. Um, one is if stuff's drawn on, they're going to draw on it, right? So if someone started, someone else is going to finish it. It's that old broken glass theory, right? If there's if there's a car with a broken window, um, then chances are the car is going to get vandalized. But if it doesn't, if there's no cars with broken, like if you go to a neighborhood with no trash on the ground, people tend to not throw trash on the ground. If you go to a neighborhood with trash all over the ground, you kind of don't think twice because it's like, who cares? There's already crap all over the place. Uh, could kids draw on your desks could they draw on something else could they could you have something that they could doodle on could they have covers on the books um don't give them pencils anymore like if they want to eat their eraser off their pencil then make sure that they bring in pencils or uh i thought about doing this but i didn't feel like having this many pencils sharpened um you can buy miniature golf pencils and you get a ton of them for like very little money on amazon and they're just so short pencils and they don't have an eraser because bro don't even make a mistake then um so that's a thought uh, or having a conversation, I, you know, one of the conversations I have with my students is like, they don't always realize that all the things in my room I've made of my own volition and like, I've done it myself. So it's like, bro, can we just listen for a second? So when you're messing up my books, when you're writing on my desks, when you are carving things into my wall, I want you to know that I made everything in here. From the tree to the flying books to the to the bookshelves, I've purchased a number of books on my own. I've made all the standing desks on my own in my shed in my own spare time for you. And now you're carving your name into it, right? And so sometimes just that simple admission of like <clears throat> or reminder of like where this stuff it didn't magically come out of nowhere. It is me or the kind people that have given me stuff. So I've gotten a lot of stuff from people through YouTube or I've gotten stuff from people through donors shoes or something like that. Just reminding students really helps them sometimes to, to stop doing that. It's about having that conversation um, and saying like, look, if I was at your house, like, and I start carving my name into your dining room table, would your mom get pissed? Yeah. Cause it's a diss. So stop dissing me. Like do that stuff in math class or something like that. And that's what I always tell them to do stuff in. And then my friend, Mr. Rufo, who teaches math, doesn't really like that. But <laughs> it's funny for me. So that, that's what I would try doing. Uh, Maisha is asking, <clears throat> excuse me, Maisha, how would you deal with the overload of emails, especially around progress reports and report card time? I don't communicate with them during any other time outside of Remind post-weekly. Maisha, I started doing, my friend, uh, Miss List, who I work with, has a bunch of like, emails that in Google, I forget how to do it. You have to look it up because I'm not, because she showed me, I, she basically did it for me. And now I just live off of her good graces. <laughs> you can set up templates. And so like if a kid gets a detention, I have, we are the warriors at our school. So it says something simple like, um, good evening, so-and-so. And then you fill in the blank. Your warrior, so I don't even have to go and write the kid's name, has been given a detention um, on this date for this infraction. And then I just plug in the infraction and the date and that's it. Your warrior did not complete their homework or um, their grade looks this way because of this, 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 and this. And there's like, set, there's only so many things that you can say, right? It's like, they didn't do homework. They don't retake tests and quizzes. They fail tests and quizzes. They don't participate. They're late to class all the time. They never come prepared. Like there's only a handful of things that really lead to kids not doing well. And so 
figuring out, like, even if you just put them in notepad and, um, or like on a word doc and then just go in and copy and paste them, that will help you to like, not have to write all that stuff. And you're just bam, like knocking out emails, uh, <clears throat> really quickly. Cause you have a template. And then if the parent needs to respond to that, uh, I, you know, I will respond to it accordingly, but I just find that that usually helps most of the time. I'm waiting for that to turn the wine. <clears throat> I don't think it's happening tonight. Jonathan Cooks is asking, geez, <clears throat> I haven't talked this much. When we return to school on Monday, we were supposed to start a positive reinforcement movement, reward students for good behaviors by giving them points. Um, what's a good way to do this? I think I like public announcements of good stuff. So Kayla and I were actually talking about this. That's my co-teacher about acknowledging students that have been doing good stuff um, by giving them, they sell like medals at the, uh, at the dollar store near me. <clears throat> so giving those out for different things, maybe having student of the week and like maybe on every Friday announcing who the student of the week is, how they got student of the week, and then putting their like name um, on like a little fancy card thing, like up on the wall. And then during the year, trying to find a reason to get most kids up there. And then like that, I just think that that like publicly announcing that someone's doing well and for what they're doing well for, like is a great thing to do. And it's not like sometimes when the school does this, our school does a good job of this, but like schools, like look at things like grades or how many, or if you scored, like you're the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. But like, I like shouting dudes out for like, yo, I saw a kid like help another, like someone dropped their books all over the hallway and this dude picked them up this week. I just want to shout my man out because Robert did a really great job. When he, I saw him in the hallway, I saw this happen and he helped to help me out without like any, without looking for a pat on the back. And I just want you to know, I saw that. So like, you know, the unsung warrior award or something like that, like coming up with things like that to do is really fun and, and looking for weird or like, oh, slightly, not necessarily weird, but like, overlooked kids because what you're doing is making the invisible kids visible and so that's what i would uh I, something around that i think, I think you've forgotten do you remember the year that you bought all the little tiny dinosaurs like or weird animals yes. from uh the dollar, the dollar store. store and you spray painted them gold yes. and you gave them out as i gave them as trophies i pretended yeah. that they were little trophies for little little wins in your life man you got brontosaurus and i just spray painted them gold and that was awesome I have kids that still have those. I still have one in my classroom. I know. That's a good idea. I should go back and doing that. Little mini trophies. Freaking brilliant. And the kids, they half hate it. They hate it, but love it's it all so at the same dumb. time. I'm sure that everybody wants one, though. Everybody wants one. Where's Hot for Teaching tonight? That's a Van Halen song. Um, that's it? Oh, okay, okay. So we have to, I mean, look, have kids are having sleepovers tonight, and we have to go plan for that. I have to make dinner. Oh, and we have to have dinner, and we're having a good dinner tonight. So I'm going to say this, um, if this is not enough, if you still have questions, if you are still freaking out about tomorrow, the Facebook group is the best place to go. I swear. Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk is a really great space where you are going to get the help that you need from all the teachers that are just like you because people like us do stuff like this. Um, there is, if I can help you in any way and you want to sign up for mentoring, you think that that would benefit you going on in the year, you can go to my website, realwrapwithreynolds.com, sign up for stuff there, or just shoot me an email and I can help you get connected with that. And that's it. Gang, look, 
I love the second half of the year. I know that people get freaked out and they don't like going back after winter break because it's like you've been off and you're afraid the kids are just going to be nightmare. A nightmare is the second, like teach like the end is near, right? Like you are, the, the end of the school year is in sight, even though it feels a million miles away. Teach like the end is near and teach like you're going to get new kids next year anyway. So just try stuff. It is the only way that you're actually going to grow and be able to, to try something new. And it can just be the tiniest thing, playing a little bit of music over your class, your pre-class, um, doing a award at the end of the week, having lunch with a particular student, shouting someone out that is, is flying under the radar, like looking for those little things that you can do and maybe make a list of like, Here's a bunch of little stuff that I can do. I'm going to just try implementing this. And then those wins will end up creating joy in your classroom and in your school. And it's going to be awesome. Um, and look for the good things. Like you have to actually look for them. You can't just expect them to show up because then they don't show up. Otherwise, like you have to like look for the goodness and, and practice that, that gratefulness aspect of that. Um, so that's it, gang. I hope you have a great week back. And for those of you that are on snow and break, chill and don't beat yourself up about it. It's a good thing. And uh, Happy New Year, gang. We'll see you next week. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.